prophet would give us that little analogy of the policeman. In himself, he didn't have power to stop the car, but he had authority. And God has given the church authority. And we want to exercise our authority. God bless you. Good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. I'm happy for a little cooler weather, maybe a little bit of rain. We didn't think we'd be asking for rain, but we thank the Lord for that, and we pray there'll be a little more. Thank the Lord for watching over families in the church this week. Some of them were close to the fires and such, so we appreciate God's protection. Also, God just uh, bringing some of the travelers back. I see some different ones that have been traveling. Also, the Lulls arrived back home last night, but they were in the same position I was at uh, coming back from Africa, and 36 hours of travel, so they're, they're not here this morning, but, but anyway, your body goes through a lot when you do that, so we're good, good to be here today. I want to welcome all the visitors, you that are here visiting, we welcome you, all the regulars. I think I see Brother Ben, Sister Sonata, nice to have you here, Gilmeisters, they're uh, Brother Ben's working here. I believe they're looking to move here at some point, but we welcome them, and we just welcome all of you. Amen. Let's just uh, sing one more chorus. You know, Satan is going about like a roaring lion, but, you know, we, we've got something greater. Okay, I might not sing that one. Just hang on. <laughs> and just look at some of the things that are going on in the world. Oh, friends, don't let it pass us by. Let us... We're in a great hour, and that's what we want to speak on a little bit. Uh, I, I want to I I sing this. I keep listening for a different sound. So you can look at all of those things, but we want to look at something else that's happening in the world. Let's, let's sing this. But I keep listening for a different sound.
we're being wired for something. You know, we can talk about all the things that people are caught up with in the world, the addictions and the things, but you know, that's only a false of what God really has. The real believer wants to be addicted to the Lord, wants to be in the Word, wants to be in fellowship. And that's why we're here this morning. I trust God is in your hearts. We're looking to the Lord this morning. Um, Brother Tito uh, is still away for a couple more days. This week he is in El Salvador this weekend. We want to remember him. Uh, when he comes back, he and I will give it a little bit of a joint report on the trip into Guatemala and, Hond and, uh, and he going into El Salvador. But this morning we just want to focus in on the Lord. Let's turn in our Bibles. I'd like to turn to the book of Luke chapter 17. I had a little bit of a tickle in my throat. So I'm sucking on a candy coming up here. I just had to make sure that was gone before I start reading too much here. So, Luke chapter 17. Verse 20, let's not read it like we know it or it's familiar. Let's read it as though, you know, what if you lived 20 years ago or, thir or let's say 100 years ago and you were looking forward to this time, but we're living in this time. So let's, let's read this that way. Luke 17, verse 20, and when he was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, the kingdom of God cometh not with observation, neither shall they say, lo here or lo there, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. And he said unto the disciples, the days will come when you shall desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you shall not see it. And they shall say to you, see here or see there. Go not after them, nor follow them. For as the lightning that lighteneth out of one part of the one part under heaven shineth unto the other part under heaven, so shall also the Son of Man be in his day. But first must he suffer many things and be rejected of this generation. And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it also be so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. Now these are characteristics of the end time. But this is what they did. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Now there's nothing wrong with eating or drinking or, or marrying those are all part of living. But when you're consumed by it, and it, 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 it takes everything away, and there's no room for God, then it's wrong. Verse 28, likewise, also as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Amen. God bless His Word. Let's, have, let's just bow in a word of prayer. 
Heavenly Father, this morning as we've come into your house and thank you for the songs that were sung and for the testimonies that were given. Lord, we remember today our brother Len as also it was remembered of him. Father, would you be near him? Lord, we thank you for his life. We pray that you'll be close to him, you'll touch him. We pray also, Lord, for our brother Tito, remembering where he is today. Lord, pray that you'll be with him and also be with his family that is here, Lord. I pray you'd watch over them both and you'd keep them. And Lord, for all of us that have gathered in this morning, we just pray, O oh Lord, that now you would bring us into your, an awareness of your presence, an awareness of where we are in time, what we ought to do, what manner of people we ought to be. Lord, we, we know it's not just rules and regulations. It's not just judgment and gloom and doom. But Lord, there's a great story of a bride being united with a groom. And Father, we desire to find our place in the midst of a troubled world, Lord. We want to focus on you this morning. Lord, the gospel is the good news, and we still want to hear the good news this morning. I pray you'd lift up the hands that hang low, O Lord. I pray, O Lord, you'd strengthen the weak. Lord, maybe the ones that are feeble, maybe some that are sick, maybe some that are discouraged, maybe some in trial. Lord, we may also need correction. We also may need admonishment. But whatever we have need of, Lord, you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. Lord, you could have chose the stars to preach, the sun to preach, but you chose man, man with frailties and needs himself. But Lord, we invite you, Lord, make yourself known today in this service. I pray your blessing on everyone present, those listening in. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. you may have your seats. I will also, in the context of the scripture, read from John chapter 14. John chapter 14, verse 16, and I'll also read from 1 John chapter 4. So John chapter 14, verse 16, Jesus says, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another a comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. First person, pronoun. He is, he is the one who was made known in the flesh. He is also the one who ascended on high. And it is also he who comes and lives in the church now. So he says, I will come to you. Verse 19, yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But you see me, and because I live, you shall live also. Now, <coughs> notice the terminology. At that day, you shall know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Now, when we just read... In Luke 17, and it was in verse 30, and it talked about a day when the Son of Man would be revealed. It also talks about a day here. So I'm talking to a degree about a day that, that God has had in his mind. And it's not just one day, but it's a time frame. 
So 1 John chapter 4, 1 John chapter 4, verse 15. Now there's a little bit of parallel of thought in here, but just in a, in a little further way. John now speaking, you know, John who was on the Isle of Patmos, but then John, you know, with all these great mysterious things that God made known, but he gives us such practical applications in the book of 1 John. So in verse, 1 John chapter 4, verse 15, Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him and he in God, and we have known and believed that God, we believe the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear has torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. So this therein lies uh, the manner in which we ought to serve God. We, are, we believe we're living in the end times. Our church is called End Time Message Tabernacle. That doesn't mean it's all gloom and doom, but it means that we're believing what God is doing in the end time. So we're, we're relating to that, but in the end time, God has not, doesn't want us to serve him because of the things that are happening around us. The kingdom of God comes not with observation. Neither do we serve him because we're scared of going to hell. That, that will only take you so far. That may lead you to come to church. That may lead you to pay your tithes. That may lead you to do certain things. But that will not bring you into union. Your union is on a higher level than just being scared of the judgments that are in the world. God bless you, Brother Brandon. Really appreciated the work you all did with the play. I was able to watch it last Sunday. I was tired. I was wiped out. We had a four-hour service on Sunday. I came back. I slept for an hour and came back, and, and I, I thought, man, I hope I can stay awake. But I was awake. I was awake. It was, it was a blessing. Thank you. How many enjoyed it? Amen. God bless you all. We're going to give him a little appreciation at some time, all those that were involved, and we'll hopefully have it in some kind of a form that you can watch it, but we thank God for that. So I, wanna, I would like to speak this morning, and on, on, on uh, Wednesday I just took a little bit of a preamble talking about the hidden potential that lies within, and I'm going to come at it a little bit different way about potentials. But I, I want to speak on a manifestation or manifestation of the hidden characteristics only revealed in this last day or revealed in the day. And so I, I would like to just take this and approach it a little bit of a different way. The Word of God is always moving. And what God has done in one, one time frame in the Old Testament, because God is eternal, and as the eternal God, he knows the end from the beginning. 
And when he sets forth a pattern, he's unchangeable. He, he utilizes that pattern, but he brings further light and further manifestation all the time to the pattern. So sometimes to catch and to see God, we look back to see his nature, to see his characteristics, and to see the manner in which he works. That identifies God to us. You know, it was Jesus that would say to his disciples, learn of me. You know, in, in other words, learn of my nature, learn of my, my characteristics, learn of me. So he, he's telling us that. But the word of God is always moving. God has had a great plan of redemption right from the fall in the Garden of Eden, right from the book of Genesis, right to the end in the book of Revelations. We're living in a great, great hour. And um, there are seasons, there are times, there are days, and, and, and even things that are happening. So history repeats itself. Jesus came on earth at a time, and there was a time in Jesus' ministry where it was a great attraction. You know, John initiated that attraction by baptizing at the river and, and, and by baptizing unto remission of sins, but he was the forerunner that was pointing to Jesus. And so when Jesus came on the scene, here comes Jesus, and there was the Sermon on the Mount, there was 5,000, there was the breaking of bread, the fishes and the loaves, you know, many were fed, it was a wonderful attraction, many were attracted to it. But then as time went on, then it was as Jesus would commission, as he would begin to declare his place in the scripture, it wasn't as popular anymore. Are you listening to where we're at today? Because there's a message that we're under, which was under a great healing revival. Many looked at it, but when the word came forward, it wasn't as attractive anymore. <coughs> and in fact, Jesus would look at the 70 that he chose, and he would say, there are too many that are following the message. Now Jesus, you, you think, there's too many following, and he, and he brought forth a hard saying. And the hard saying was, except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man, and except you drink of his blood, you have no part on him. And then he said, ah, this is a hard saying. I, I, I can't follow him. And, and you know, that's the way it is sometimes in the Bible. You know, there's hard sayings. But I, I like the way Peter was. Peter knew something had caught him. He wasn't in it just because he had a good fishing catch one day. Peter was in it because something spoke to him, and we believe also something spoke to us. Can, I don't know if you can give me a little bit more. I'm, I'm, I'm straining a little bit my voice this morning. But I, I believe there's something more that God has given us. And I, I, I believe that we're in a time where... where it's, it's not maybe the popular thing, but there's something that is deep, something that goes to the kernel of our very existence, that, that it's the very heart and fabric of our well-being to feed on the bread of life that God has given us. So 
And, and, and so we're, the message may not be the popular move it was among the world, but I'll say this, among the elect of God, among those that have heard the call, those that have heard the voice, those that are listening, it is the uniting of the bride and the bridegroom. It is Eleazar's call. It is the same as Abraham sent out a faithful servant to find a bride for Rebekah. So has God sent out a faithful servant to bring a bride for Jesus Christ in this last day. The marriage of the Lamb is come. The bride has made herself ready. And we're living in that day. So, so there's a twofold uh, of, of everything that we believe. There is on one hand the judgments of God that are on the earth today. There is another hand the uniting of, of many things on the earth today of, 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 of economics, of, of, of um, nations and, and, and many things that are coming together. You know, even technology and, you know, just, just reading the things in the news in the last week and reading how even the... the, the one of the pioneers of the, um, the, um, the, the technology behind the, the chat and, and, and all of that, how he, he's come out and the AI technology and, and the things that are happening and saying, uh, he, he, he says, I'm distancing myself from it. There's too many dangers with it because it's brought into the hands of man. If you actually look at Steve Jobs uh, and, and, and all the others, the founder of Microsoft and all the others, some of these men who founded these things would not let their own children be participants in the technology because they saw how dangerous it was. So you see these things are in the world. And, and when you see these things, listen, just just standing against them is not enough for us to make it. There's got to be something greater. Reading this last week, and it was an article, even not an article, it was a little clip of Vladimir Putin, and they translated it, and he actually re rebuked the West. He said, the West comes, and they think they, they can be uh, a moral authority over Russia. Why don't they look at the Scriptures? That's what he actually said. You, you, have te you have, now in your lands, you have children that can change their sexual orientation, he says, search the scriptures. <laughs> it was an amazing thing. I, I read it and I thought, what a rebuke. What a rebuke of the hour that we live in. That's not my focus in the message. I, I, just, just some things I'm listening to. But anyway, let's, let's take this a little bit. I want to speak, if I can, just to lay a little foundation of the day. Acts chapter 17, verse 30. And just what everything that's pointed to the day that we're at. And then I'm going to take some of that to where our place is in it. But Acts 17, this is in verse 30 and verse 31. <coughs> and Jesus would, uh, Paul would actually speak here and he'd say, now, you know, in, in the years, you know, he talked about the ignorance of man. He says, but at the times of this ignorance, God winked at, but now he commandeth all men everywhere to repent. This is, this is after God was manifest in flesh. When Jesus Christ was made known. When he came to the earth, he said, except I would have come, you would have not known you had sin. So something manifest that they would have to declare and say, yeah, there's a manifestation here of righteousness that, that shows us where we're all at. So he says, 
Now he commandeth men everywhere to repent because he hath appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he has ordained, whereby he's given assurance unto all men in that he has raised him from the dead. So God has appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness. And it will be by Jesus Christ. I, I'm just going to insert this one for a moment, Brother Dan. And, and, you know, all the scriptures have to dovetail together, but this is in Romans chapter 2. If I can just read this. Romans chapter 2, and this is in verse 16. Because it was Paul who got the revelation. You know, a lot of the disciples walked with Jesus. They knew him after the flesh. But Paul never knew him after the flesh. Paul only knew him by revelation. And he knew him as a pillar of fire that met him on the road. But Paul would speak this, and he, and he talked about this judgment of God. It says, verse 16, In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. Now that's a bold statement. Paul, now just think about all of the apostles Paul said, yeah, they all had a place, they all had a place, but God called me, he gave me a dispensation. And it, and it was a dispensation given as a first church age messenger. And Paul said the revelation he received, he received it by an angel, and he said it was so sovereign, he said, if I would try to change it, let me be accursed. If another angel comes, let him be accursed. Now there's a boldness. Now God identified with Paul. So here is the, the Apostle Paul talking about this judgment. Let's go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I'm going to read just a couple scriptures, lay a little foundation. <coughs> it will help if you participate. And just, you know... Uh, I, I know we, we, we live in our flesh and, and we're part of that, that's part of us, but there's a part of you that's greater than the part that I see right now. And that part in you feeds on the word of God. And when it strikes, you, you can actually make more of this service by entering into it. It, it, it makes the service. It's not just the minister. It's all of us together. 1 Thessalonians 5, <coughs> this is now... Again, just pointing towards something. And, and I'll just read from verse 1. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. So again, we're talking about a day, but it's not just a 24-hour period. It's greater than that. So now, now here are some of the conditions that will be there at that time. For when they shall say, peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. So it will come, in Matthew 24, Jesus said, let not the day come upon you unawares. In other words, be watching, be waiting, be looking for him. And Paul says the same thing here, verse 4, but you, brethren, are not in darkness, that the day should overtake you as a thief. 
You are all children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others. Now, we're living in a lukewarm age. You can say, well, thank God I came out of Laodicea. Laodicea is all around you. Laodicea will try to creep in on you. Laodicea will try to dampen you. It will try to bring you to an intellectual part. We need the Spirit of God today. We need God in our midst. It's not just by learning and understanding and just nodding. It's about saying, yes, Lord. Come, Lord. And if it means preach it in a way, Lord, that something has to be made real to me this morning. I'm here this morning not just to fill in time. I'm here because I believe we're living in the last days. I believe I want to move on with God. So you would say, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. Now I'll jump over to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And and I'll just just reading a few things to stay in the context. But in verse 1, and this whole book of 2 Thessalonians really is having to do with the coming of the Lord. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that you be not soon shaken in mind or troubled or be troubled, neither by spirit or by word nor by letter as from us, that the day of Christ is at hand. It's closer than it's ever been. Today, May the 7th, 2023, we are closer than we've ever been. Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come except there come a falling away first and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. Now, I'm not gonna take time to go into that, but I wanna just keep in the context. Drop down to verse six. And now you know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. Verse 7, for the mystery of iniquity already does already work. The mystery of iniquity. If I, if I could just say this. In the first church age, the Ephesian church age, when Paul was there, that mystery started already. John identified, he said, many false prophets are gone out into the world. And he says, it's already working. And it started, uh, as you could call it, the deeds of the Nicolaitans. So that was to conquer the laity, where the priesthood would become greater than the laity. The minister that is saved is on par with the congregation. The only difference is a gift. We, we, we don't have authority. God is the chief shepherd over all of us. He ordains offices. He ordains gifts. But it is him who is first and foremost. That's why we had a prophet come and say, why I am against denominations. Because it is man putting circles around what God did. But God is greater than all of those things. So... It, is, it was the deeds of the Nicolaitans. That was the mystery. The deeds became the doctrine. The doctrine became hard, unbending, fast, and it led to the slaughter of thousands of true Christians in the dark ages. And, 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 and listen, that spirit 
just because it isn't manifest the same way, it still lies there. And in a time and a season, so here's Paul talking, the mystery of iniquity does already work. It's going to work till the end. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken up out of the way. So God permits it until the bride is taken out of the way. If I can say it or summarize it that way. There's more to it that I could share out of the seals, but I'll leave it. And then shall the wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. So here is Thessalonians talking about the day. Now, as I said earlier, it's not all just gloom and doom. Because there's something that is there, there while there is judgment. And friends, I, I believe the judgments of God, the ushering in of the tribulation is happening already. And I, we, we, I don't believe we're there yet, but I believe that when it happens, you have to be in the spirit. The world is getting in the spirit of the judgment. When, when you see some of the things you see, and I see clips of people mocking God. I, I, I watched our own nation, which had a, a crown or a coat of arms for hundred, uh, almost since the beginning, and now our current prime minister took the opportunity with a new monarch in England to strip off all the religious symbols from that. Our nation is gone. Friends, there's no godliness upholding it. The only thing that's upholding it, there's some righteous people still on the earth today. It's your prayers. It's my prayers. That's the very thing. I, I'm grieved by what I see. I, I've been around long enough. I remember a time when Sunday morning came and you would see people going to church. We lived in Alberta where we had a premier that, that wouldn't even allow Sunday shopping. And now it's prevalent everywhere. There's no more respect among the nation for the things of God, but there are some people who are on earth and say, I will live for God. I will not go get caught up with these things. <coughs> now, 1 Peter chapter 2, if I can just take a couple of more scriptures here. And this is um, now speaking... 1 Peter chapter 2, <coughs> let's just read from verse 10. Peter is talking about a peculiar people, a chosen generation, but he says that, verse 10, but in time past they were not a people, but now are the people of God, which had not attained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims. Abstain from fleshly lusts which war against your soul, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works which they behold glorify God in the day of visitation. Now I believe God has visited this generation. I believe we've received the, the sign of the Messiah, the coming of, of the Lord is at hand. There, there's not going to be a lot of other signs. There's just going to be more manifestation of the prophecy. And when you see it come to pass, I, it, it ought to, I, I want to be so in it that we catch it and we're alarmed by it when, it when it comes and it draws us closer to him. 
stay in the Word and be in the Word. It, it will lead you. It will direct you. First, Second Peter chapter 1, if I can read this. Second Peter chapter 1. And again, these, these are all New Testament epistles written in the early age, but it was pointing towards something. Second Peter chapter 1, and this is Peter rehearsing things, verse 19. We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well that you take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn. So there is coming a day where God has had in mind. Now he's going to judge sin, he's going to judge all these things, but he's also going to bring a people out. Until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts, when God and man will be joined together again, not just God in Jesus Christ, but Jesus Christ in his many-membered body. That's the day we're looking for. Let's go Second Peter chapter 2, verse 9. The Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. Oh, there's lots of temptations around, but God knows what he's doing. He understands things. Acts chapter 3, and then I'm just going to try and go into a little different train of thought here, but I'm just speaking about everything that was pointing to this day. Acts chapter 3, reading in verse 19. Sorry. I, don't, I think I've got the wrong one here. I'm reading, sorry. It is the right one. I'm just reading in the long book here. <coughs> so Acts chapter 3, verse 19, and here is um, Peter speaking out, and he's again spe speaking, and this is after the upper room, and he's speaking, verse 19, Repent ye therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things. So I, I, I believe we're living, we're not in the age of the reformers anymore, but we're living in the age of the restoration. When Elijah came in the Old Testament, the altar was broken down. It had been destroyed by, in, in that time, it was Baal and Jezebel and, and all the prophets and Israel, which had been a holy nation, had turned to idolatry. But Elijah came at that time and God used that spirit. And when Elijah had the showdown at Mount Carmel, the first thing he did was he repaired the broken altar. And what did happen in this last day when God sent the spirit of Elijah? It repaired the broken altar. It brought the word back into its place. It took the wrong, the wrong interpretation of the Godhead. It took the wrong baptism. It took all of those things. It brought them back into place. It showed church order. It showed how we ought to conduct ourselves. How God's desiring to dwell. So there had to be an altar repaired. So... In the end time, God said, heaven, God, the, God would sit there interceding for the ignorance of the people, but now at the end there'll be a restitution of all things. 
which God has spoken by the mouth of his holy prophets since the world began. Now, I'm going to maybe just take this a little bit, and I want to read a couple of quotations, because Genesis is really the seed chapter for everything we believe. And so it's just like sowing a crop. If you watch what kind of seed you got in, uh, whatever seed you plant, it will come to pass that way. Okay, so we don't realize that what we're planting, what we're doing. Are we all okay this morning? <laughs> I, I, I just, I, my goodness, it's just, I, you, you pull a little bit, it's going to help the service immensely. It's like, like the little boy who was planting, his mother told him to go out and plant the beans, you know, and make sure you space them so far apart, so far apart. So you can go out and you can plant and you can say, did you do everything? I said, absolutely, I did everything you said. Well, you know what? Give it a little bit of time and things manifested. Well, it turned out the little boy didn't plant everything there. He just threw all the beans in one pile and all the beans started growing in one pile. So the day will reveal where we're at. The seeds we've planted. And we're living in manifesting times. So we want to be able to ensure that the seeds that are planted are coming out according to what God has desired. So he, he says this in the faith that was once delivered to the saints. Genesis means beginning. It's the seed chapter where God sowed the seed of everything. The evil one also sowed his seed. And these crops are coming up in the earth exactly like God said. You can take Babylon. Babylon was sown in the... In, in Genesis, which it can be called the gates to heaven, but really it's called confusion. Babylon was sown in Genesis. Babylon comes in the middle of the Bible under Nebuchadnezzar. And then Babylon is showing up at the end again in Revelations as well. It is a seed that started in Genesis. It comes through the middle. It comes to the end. And Babylon is coming to its fruition. <coughs> so what starts in Genesis ends up in Revelation. The prophet will even go back and say, read Hislop's two Babylons. It's amazing the detail you can go into. Even the Eastern religions have adopted Mary as the mother of God and, and all of the different things that you can go into there. Don't just take it for granted. Go in and look at it. Don't, don't take my word for it. Study it out. It's amazing. And you look at all these things. We, we have light that's been shed on us. We ought to be happy people. See, so he says, now, Genesis, every cult that ever started, started in Genesis. It's the seed book of the Bible. It winds its way right to the harvest time. Now, remember, as I said earlier, God is always identified by his characteristics. Now, whatever seed is planted... That seed will bring forth, because in Genesis, God said, let every seed bring forth of its own kind. While I was away in Africa, I'm, I'm, I'm out on a little bit of a safari looking at things, and, and the guide is telling me about this certain bird, and this bird, he says, these are the characteristics of that bird. It does this, it, it, it comes and it does this, it secretes this moisture, it does this, it helps the young this way. And I said, and he says, Every, everyone does it? Yeah, everyone does that. What about this other bird? It looks just the same. No, that's a different manifestation. 
Now, who put that all in place? God did that. So whatever, whatever light comes, whatever water comes on the seed, it only manifests the nature of the seed. It doesn't change the nature. Now, you take a little lion cub and a little kitten. They can be the same size. You let them play together. That'll last for a season. But over time, as they manifest, uh, I'll tell you what, that kitten's going to be lunch one day if that lion cub grows up. Because every seed will bring forth of its own kind. So it's important to have the right seed planted. So everything only manifests itself. And again, that, the, the light, the water, it doesn't change the nature. It only manifests it more. So you say little things, you know, does it matter? Uh, in the book of Zechariah, who has despised the day of small things? Does it matter how, how I dress? Does it matter how, how I'm baptized? Does it matter? Well, it all does matter. I, I, I think... If, if Moses had come up to the burning bush and God said, uh, you know, take your shoes off, Moses said, I'll just take my hat off instead. I don't think God would have revealed what he revealed to him. So it is how we approach God. God has a way of approach. It does matter. And, and you know, every, every age has had, you know, something that every messenger has brought. But in the last age, it's all the little things that were left off. And it may not be something big or mysterious, but it's God bringing it together so that he can manifest himself among his bride, restoring everything. <coughs> I'm, 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 I'm feeling like it's not coming across, and that's why I'm laboring. I apologize if I'm, I'm doing that, but I believe God has something for us. Now, I, if, if you look at, and I'm, I'm just going to make reference to it, but there were seven church ages in the book of Revelations. And these, reven these seven church ages were, were characteristics associated with churches in Asia Minor. There was Ephesus, you know, there, there was Smyrna, there was Pergamos, there was Thyatira. These were natural churches. And, and yet, they also had a spiritual significance. So in every age, they, they had uh, certain characteristics. So... In the church age book, it says these seven churches contained certain characteristics within them that at that ancient date, which would become the mature fruit of latter ages. They were just seed plants, but they came out in a greater way. Now, Ephesus, if I, if I just share this, you know, there was Ephesus, and the reward to the Ephesus age was... That, that they should be partakers of the tree of life. Now, that was to the overcomer in the Ephesian age. Then it would go to the Smyrna church age. He that overcomes shall not be hurt of the second death. This is the reward to the overcomer. And then the reward to the overcomer in Pergamos was, he shall eat of the hidden manna. So, so th this was all of these things. And, and then to the Thyatira, it was that they would be given power over the nations. And, and in, in Sardis, it would mean, uh, or it would say they would be clothed in white raiment. 
And then in, in Philadelphia, that they would be pillars in the temple and, and that they would have a new name. And then to the, the Laodicean age that they would sit in the throne. Now, all of these ages had a reward, but those rewards pertained to everyone, but also they're all gathered up at the end of the age. So we have a right to the tree of life, like Ephesus did. We have a right to the hidden manna, just like Pergamos did. We have a right to have the power over the nations. We have a right to be clothed in white raiment. So these are rewards to all in, in the church ages. Now, God is gathering all these things together at the end time. I'm, I'm trying to bring this in, in a very concise way, not in a long, drawn-out thing. But as, as you take the first ages, uh, you know, going to the dark ages, Jesus said, except a seed abide alone, it has to go in the ground. The church that started out in the brightness of its glory went into the ground. It actually died, if you can say it, the dark ages, but it resurrected, and God started to bring back the original through Luther in the Reformation age. And Luther would start with a doctrine of the just shall live by faith. I don't know if you've ever had a chance to watch the movie on Luther. It is tremendous how in the midst of this Catholic system, this great big beast, that Luther could rise up and withstand it. And God so anointed him with the anointing of a man that he would take the scriptures and he would confound all that it was. And then God didn't stop there. He, he took Luther, which was the just shall live by faith, and he went into sanctification through the life of John Wesley and said, listen, it's not just good enough to say I'm justified. You've got to sanctify yourself. You've got to do something. You've got to change something. Now, many of you that sit here, you know all of these things. But I'm, I'm just saying is if we can appreciate where we stand today, God is gathering all of that up. And then he, he, he went into Laodicea, that's the Pentecostal age, and he began to pour out the Spirit, the gifts, and that, that came in, in the end time. Brother Andrew, I think, started to touch on the gifts in, in a service he just preached. You know, and the Bible would say, you know, this was everything, all of this, if I can say it this way, was in Jesus when he died on the cross. And God was going to restore all of this. <laughs> and so he would... Bring it through all of that. Yeah. Now, let me, let me read a couple of things. You know, the, the last church age, which was the Philadelphia age, in, verse, in, in Revelations 3, verse 10, Jesus would speak to that, that age. John's writing it as a scribe. But because you've kept the word of my patience, I will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. So, in other words, he's, he's saying, listen, I'm coming soon. You know, get ready. Now, that's the sixth age, because the last age is going to be a short, short age. And so, it was, it was like, this is now leading into the coming of the Lord. The last age comes, and the last age, you know, Jesus would have to re rebuke them, say, uh, I, I rebuke you, you're... Be zealous, repent, hear my voice. And, and he would bring it down to this final age. Now, I'm going to read this. 
from, from the church age book now. And, and this, is, this is how it was said. Now in every age, a mystery unfolds, a trumpet sounds, it declares a war, a plague falls, and a church age is opened. What is the war part? Now, so the angel of the, of the church catches the mystery of God. If you read every one of these church ages, the address is unto the angel of the church of Ephesus. So who was the angel of the church of Ephesus? That was Paul. So God is addressing Paul, write these things. I've got seven stars. I'm, I'm walking in the midst. I know what you're going through. So Paul is writing, and as he's writing this to him, it's exactly what it says here. He's catching the mystery of God for that age. He's saying, you know, there's a spirit already working. You're losing your first love. You're not going. You're, you're, you're starting to fall off. He's addressing it to them. And, and so as he addresses it to them, he catches the mystery, he proclaims the message, and it starts a war. Now, the, the kingdom of Satan, if you ever read in the history, um, the disciples could not come to Rome, and they had some believers that were left in Rome. They couldn't get to them for 13 years. And in 13 years, when they came back, that church had so mixed with the idolatry of Rome that they scarcely recognized the church anymore. Now that is the church left on its own. We need to hear the voice of God. We need to hear what God is saying. If we're left to our own devices, I need to be in fellowship with the Lord. You need to be in fellowship. We need to hear the sound of the gospel. Without it, we're, 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 we're lost without our contact with our mate. So he says, now, it was start a war. Now, it, it's a spiritual war. But within the church in those early days, those apostles were there, and they'd notice another spirit was creeping into the church. And, and, and you know, they began to separate and divide the brotherhood and, and do things. And, and they began to identify them and say, they looked them in the face, you're not of God. Now, there was a boldness that came out of them because they loved the truth. Now, we have boldness in this last age, not because we're here to defend our own thing, but I love God. I love his word. I, I love his truth. I love what it's done in my life. You can come into this church and you might think, look at all these people. They're all dressed this way. They all do these things. I'll tell you what, let's rewind the story 20 years. Let's look at some of us when we came into church. Some of us came in with all manner of dress and all manner of spirits and, and all kinds of things. And, you know, I, I was listening to a brother telling in his church, he said this woman came into the church and she said, uh, she, she had a deal, and she said, uh, she had a, a, a friend and said, well, we'll go one weekend to your church, and you go one weekend to my church. So he had happened to attend uh, this, this church. It was a message church, and, and she attended a Catholic church, he said. And she came up after the service and said to the minister and said, I just want to let you know I'm only here because I'm keeping my side of the bargain. And, uh, and, and so, and I'm going next week, and I, I, I'm with the Catholic Church, and I sew the garments for the priests, and I do all of these things, and I do all of these different things. Well, you know what? She came the next time, and came the next time, and now something's changing in her dress, and she's going, you know, you make me so uncomfortable. 
I said, it's me? I'm not making you uncomfortable. The minister is saying, it's the word of God. Yeah. I, 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 I'm not here to convince anybody. Let the word of God have its way. And friends, if, if we could recognize, if it wasn't for the grace of God, where would we be today? Yeah. I, I, I would be just as lost as anybody. I'm not here to say I'm any better than anyone. I'm not. I just say this, by the grace of God, something's happened. I know what I was before God got a hold of me. I know the life I lived. I know the thoughts I thought. I know the things I did. But I'll say this, thank God something got a hold of me. Thank God he got a hold of me. It wasn't just a word, a doctrine, somebody convincing me. It was none less than Jesus Christ. That's who got a hold of me. I'm not trying to be religious. I'm not trying to be anything. I'm just trying to say, this truth is real. It's changed my life. I'm, uh, you can go and tell me, well, the records, you know, about Brother Branham, this, this. You're too late. The word has already worked in my life. It's already changed in my life. If I, if, I, if I come across differently, I don't want to. I just want to say, this gospel is real. It works. Something is holding us. Something is keeping us. It is not the words of a man. It is not the doctrine of somebody that died 50 some odd years ago. This is the God that spoke to us in this generation. <coughs> I believe it with all my heart. Now sometimes, you know, we, we have struggled because our mind, our mind says, well, if I do this, then this has to happen, and this has to happen, and this has to happen. What am I preaching on today? I'm talking about the characteristics. I, I, I remember it was a New Year's Eve, and I had been running with my friends every New Year's Eve. It was the biggest party of the year. And God had started dealing with me. I'd gone out with them at Christmas. I didn't feel comfortable. And they said, we're having a big party at New Year's. Would you like to come? And I said, I I'll let you know. I never did let them know. And I remember my mom said to me, would you like to come to church? They're playing a film. And it was called The Hiding Place. And I remember I went to that film and I watched the story of Corrie ten Boom and, and how they were persecuted by the, 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 the Jews were all persecuted by the, uh, uh, the Germans and at that time, the Nazis. Not all Germans are Nazis. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> There was a couple hands that went up. Yeah, God bless you. <laughs> anyway, I, I went to that film. And listen, I didn't know about the seventh angel. I didn't know about anything. But when I saw what was in those people, and I watched, and I, something spoke to me and said, the characteristics, whatever those people got, I want what those people got. See, it's manifest in characteristics. God, God is always the same. The gospel is still the greatest attraction. And we, we confuse it with our minds and our thinking. You know, this has got to fit there. Listen, just look for the Lord, love the Lord, be a good Christian, live the life. That's the ultimate manifestation. And I'll say, that is still where I want to be. And, and if, if we confuse it sometimes and we make it more than that, God forgive us. 
But I believe the truth of what we have, and I believe it has the power to lead you, to direct you, to keep you, to fill you, to do what you need in this age that we live in. Now, I, I need to just, just carry on with this a little bit. So here in every age, this would come, and, and it would start a war. Well, I remember the war that started in me. Like, like you know, here's my friends, and there was this pull, and then here's this something Something in here was leading me, and I had to start following that. And that, when that led me, I'll tell you what, there was, there was alarm bells screaming up here, but there was something real under here. And it was pulling me, it was leading me, and it's still leading me today. And I, I, I want to lean less on this, and I want to lean more on this, the soul part of you. <coughs> so... I, listen, if I just, let me just put it this way. The life of Abraham is a type for every seed of God. It was God's grace covenant. It was not what Abraham could do. Genesis 12, God meets Abraham and he says, I will make you a blessing. I will curse them that curse you. I will bless them that bless you. I'll make your name great. I'll do all this. I'll do all of this. Abraham had nothing to do with it. It was God's grace covenant. And when Abraham, even when Abraham went along the way, and listen, I'll say this, when God reveals himself, when God moves himself, it causes something within us to rise up. If you have a seed in you, it draws something out of you that you never even knew was there. Oh, we had, we had a brother uh, years ago, and he was like a hippie, had long hair. Somebody invited him to church, and he sat in the back, and, and, and the minister is preaching, and he, he just preached to these long-haired hippies. And the guy, he says, amen. Not, not, not because he was identifying with the long-haired hippies, but he was identifying with something God was doing inside of him, even though the outside was all wrong. Like, look at Rahab. Rahab, you know, here she is. She's literally a prostitute. She's got men in her house. She's got all of these things. But she's hearing something, a different sound, and she's hearing it, and she sees two spies, and she says, I know God is with you. I know God is, even though I didn't talk to Joshua, I know you are part of that, and I know your God is real. And the whole city is trembling. Listen, who put that in her? God put that in her. It wasn't Rahab that figured it out. I say, God has put something in us. This goes back to what I said on Wednesday. The potentials of God are in the seed of God. And sometimes it takes the, the worst condition to bring them out. God calls Abraham. He couldn't even have children. There it is. He was 75. His wife was 65. They couldn't have children to that time. Something was wrong. And he promises and tell him, I'm going to make of you a great nation. And you know what? It began to reveal what was really in Abraham. You said that? Listen, he could have said, God, here's the doctor's report. There's no way we can have children. But he believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness. 
And so sometimes, ignore what's going on here. Follow what God is saying to your heart. And you keep following because as God reveals himself, it manifests what's in you. <coughs> you didn't even know it was in you. You could, you could take, you, I, I didn't know this was in me to be up here. I, I, I was shy in school. I could hardly talk to anybody. I, 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 this was the last place I'd ever want to be. But God knew it would be here. I'm not making myself this. God led me. I just walked step by step. It's his grace. It's not me. It's his calling. It's his seed that he placed in me. Glory be to God. <coughs> And even though you might not be up here, you might not have a gift, you might do that, but it's the same for you. My, if you take Abraham and you take all the things that he went through, you know, you, you could take Genesis 12, you could take Genesis 13. Every time something happened, it manifest not only what was in the world around Abraham, but it manifest what was in Abraham. So Abraham, he's called by God, leave your country, leave your kindred. He says to Lot, his nephew, come with me. You know, come on. God never spoke to Lot, but he spoke to Abraham. Now Lot was blessed because he went along with Abraham. But in Genesis chapter 13, it manifests very quickly what was the difference between Lot and Abraham. Because when Lot saw the well-watered plains, and he saw again, and there was strife between the herdsmen of Lot, and he said, hey, we, we, we need to divide things up here. They're just, we're too big. And he said, okay, Abraham, look, look at what Abraham did. He didn't say, well, I was first. Therefore, I got bragging rights. And I get to pick what I get to pick. No, here's Abraham, and he says, Lot, whichever way you go, you go to the right, I'll go to the left. You go to the left, I'll go to the right. And I'll say this, there's a revelation in that. That wherever you go, the blessing goes with you, not you seeking the blessing. Because you have the blessing of the covenant on you already. There, so here's, it's manifesting what's in Abraham. Like maybe Sarah, his wife, would look at him and say, uh, I, I don't know about this. I left everything, and, and I got this nice little dwelling over here, and you're potentially giving us to him? I, I don't know what the conversation was, but there was things coming out of him that we never even knew. There's things that have come out of you if you had actually say, I never thought that was in me. Just, just take a little, just a little journey with, with Abraham here for a minute. What's the next thing? Genesis 14, Lot gets caught in trouble in a war down in Sodom, and Abraham goes and redeems him. Now, I read this from <coughs> the word to the bride in potential, and this is, this is, I'll just read this little part. It says, from a little group of the true seed of word of God, God will present Christ, a beloved bride, a virgin of his word, and he will fulfill all that he has promised for his word in the virgin who knows no man-made creeds or dogmas. The word of promise in himself, like it was in Mary, God himself will make manifest. He will act himself by his own word of promise, so fulfill all that was written of him, as when he did he came from the, from the virgin womb. What, was in, what did Mary receive? When the angel came to her, she received the message of the angel, and, and he says, you will conceive. He says, I don't even know a man. She didn't even argue. She says, you know what she did? Something inside of her said, be it unto me according to your word. Oh, I, I mean, 
that, that's almost incomprehensible to the natural man. But there's a spiritual seed. There's a potential. And now listen, he says this. They will love him and will have his potentials. So it's not just the potential in you naturally, your own little gift, but you'll have resurrection potential. You'll have redeeming potential. You'll have the ability to help your fallen brother because you have his potentials. You will act like Abraham act when you meet Melchizedek. How did Abraham act? He had the king of Sodom and said, hey, you rescued your, your, your nephew. Let me give you all these riches. And Abraham said, I want none of it. Listen, who told Abraham to do it? It's not do's and don'ts. It's the potential of the seed within you. And so Abraham acted that way. He denied everything that the king of Sodom gave him. And he met Melchizedek and he paid him tithes. Because his life was wrapped up in that king. First time somebody paid tithes. You want to talk about a potential. That one little act. Abraham pays tithes to Melchizedek. Not knowing that through Isaac, through Jacob, down to Levi. God was going to say, Abraham what you did. Therefore Levi doesn't have to pay tithes. Because Levi's already done it. You talk about a potential. Uh, listen, I, 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 want, I want you just to think a little further. Look at your eternal potential. <laughs> yeah, listen, I, I, I've gone through some battles. I, I, I was pretty heavy into sports. I played for the University of Alberta Golden Bears. I played for their football team. I played for Nate for their basketball team, for their volleyball team. I was in high school as a quarterback. I was, I was into everything. I, I love sports. And I loved all those things. And hey, nothing wrong with sports. It's all, it's all fine. And I came to the Lord. And I, you know, and now it's church and there's a hockey game on that night. Oh. No, none of you have gone through this battle. I'm just saying. This is just for me. You know, and, and I'm going to, oh. It wasn't easy. But I said, in the eternal value, in the eternal value, I'm going to look back one day and I'm going to say, what did this mean really? I, I, I just brought that up in case anybody would be affected with that kind of a decision. But I, I'm just saying, friends, look at the things that hinder us. Is it a friend? Is it, is it something? But I'll say, as, as the world around us gets darker, as there's, you know, the, the, the enemy tries to attach himself so many ways. You know, you, I, I, you know I, I, was, I thought I'd play, you know, it's the first year or two, I thought I'd play a little basketball. And I'd say, yeah, the games are on Sundays and Wednesdays. Okay, I guess that pretty well does that. Because I'm not going to go Sunday or Wednesday to play a game with a bunch of guys, pick up basketball. You know what? You might think that was, that was a battle in the day. Amen. I, I, I said this on Wednesday, but if I would take a tour, and I, let's say we had a museum, and we'd come up on a tour, and we'd go, and we would begin to look at the battles that were won and the things that were laid down. 
And here is Samson. And you meet Samson and you see the things that he had to lay down in order to, to go on with God. If you take the things that Abraham lost to, to go on with God. If you take the things that David lost to go on with God. Now take it down to every one of you. What did you lose to go on with God? And really you didn't lose. You gained in the end. But you had to recognize the temporality of the natural versus the call of the spiritual. <coughs> hey. It's a real battle, wherever you're at. When we all have different parts we're coming from. And here's Abraham in Genesis chapter 15. And God says to him, hey Abraham, your seed is going to be in a strange land for 400 years. But when the iniquity of the Amorites is full. Now, attached to what the promise was, was the condition of the world and the judgment of the world around him. Now just think about this for a moment. God may have a program in mind where he's going to have a church ready, but maybe one isn't in their place yet. And yet maybe the world isn't at a place where it's, it, I, I can't see how much further it can go. Like, I mean, the, the, the things that are happening in the world around us. But maybe God has, but he's tied together what happens in the world around us. I remember years ago, in 1983, I was, I was traveling through Europe, and I remember I went in 1983 and I crossed from West Germany into East Germany. And I crossed this Checkpoint Charlie, as they cost, called it. And I remember the guards, they woke me up in the train. They checked my passport. They checked my visa. They checked everything. You know, you know da, 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 da. And it was like communist rule. It, 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 like for all that communism was. And I, I, I did that in May of 1983. In November of 1983, that wall came down. And then my mind went back to this, the portion that was prophesied. If they ever give the eastern part of Berlin back, it puts us back in the same days as it was with the Roman Empire again. And it looked like it, it, was, it was a great victory, but it also allowed the Roman Empire to spread in a greater way again. Like, if, if we had spiritual eyes to watch, every day a line is being crossed. Something's happening. And, and sometimes we cross lines. We don't recognize it. Listen, I've I got to move on here. I'm, I, I'm just saying with the generation. And then it was in Genesis 17, Abraham made a covenant. Listen, God knew, you know, he made a covenant with Abraham, he said, circumcise. Genesis 18, he comes to visit him, and he says, and he says, I will return to you, and you'll have your promised son. And Abraham goes down to Gerir, and he meets the king, and, and he lies about his wife being a sister. Half lie, it's a lie. There's no such thing as a part lie. He lies, and God plagues the whole kingdom of Gerir because of Abraham because the king wanted to take Sarah's, Sarah. Now, first of all, this was a 90-year-old, 99-year-old grandmother, 90-year-old grandmother. But there's a mystery there. In order to have the child, God had to change something within Sarah. In order to have it within, he had to change them so that their body could make way for the coming son. 
So it's not just a history of the king and that, but it's also showing something else. So where do we live today? You know, we, in, in Psalms 105, it says this is the covenant God made. He reproved with the seed of Abraham. He reproved kings for their sakes. He changed all these things. Where do we live today? You might think I'm just a little offspring. Listen, God's eyes are on you. God knows what's in you. He knows what wants to manifest. I, I, I really have gone off my notes here, but that's, that's okay. Genesis 22, Abraham now, God tells him, go and take your only son, and you take him up to the mountain, and you sacrifice him. Now, I, I want you just to catch this for a moment. He takes him up, Abraham says to his servants, he just leaves on a three-day journey, and then he stops at the base of the mountain, he says to his servants, I and the lad are going up, and we're going to come back. Now, he's speaking what God's going to do, but he doesn't know anything about what's there. Now, God knew everything that was in Abraham, but Abraham never knew what God saw in him, and neither do you see what God sees in you. And so God has to allow Abraham to go through all these things, to meet through the king of Sodom, through Melchizedek, through everything he went through. Now he comes to a crucial moment. And he comes to the top of the mountain, and there's nothing up there. Nothing. Oh, if we could catch this. God takes a prophet and says, you go out. I'm, I'm sorry if I'm just injecting this. You go back east the lamb is going to open the seals. And you prepare, you prepare that morning. He had no notes for the evening service. Who came on the scene? God came on the scene. Abraham goes all the way to the top of the mountain and he lifts the knife and he's ready to slay the son. And then God stops him. And he says, I will slay my son one day. But Abraham, now I know that you love me. Yeah. And you know what? Abraham knew it now too. He knew he was ready to sacrifice all. Abraham had crossed a line where he knew, I have given everything to God. Friends, when you cross that line of the point of no return, I have now surrendered. It's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing to put yourself in the hands of God. I, I, can't, I got no recourse. I got no plan B. I got nothing. All I've got is you, Lord. And you watch God come on the scene. God will come behind you. And here's Abraham. Now, there's nothing up there. But that's the first manifestation of the name of Jehovah. And there's sevenfold manifestation. It's Jehovah Jireh. I, the Lord, see, and I will provide. And so at that moment, a ram appears caught in a thicket. Where was that ram five minutes ago? We don't know where it was. But God knew that Abraham would be obedient, and he already had a provision made. God knows what's in you. <laughs> now, I'm going to, I've gone off so far, so I'll just keep going. But you can take that through the book of Ruth. 
Ruth making a decision, Ruth leaving the Moabites, going with Naomi, Ruth ending up in the field of Boaz, Ruth just as a gleaner, Ruth being coached by Naomi to go sit at the feet of Boaz, and all along God is doing something for her. She's seeing herself entering a picture. I'm going to just take the last 10 minutes here, and I'll just take another 10 minutes. But I want you just to look at this for a moment because... There's another one in the Bible, and, and he is well known in the Bible, and that was Moses. Moses was ordained of God, and I'll just say it how the prophet would say it, because he said Moses was raised a proper child. He was, he was raised in the right kind of home. He knew what was right, and he knew exactly what God had for him. And, and he says, now, when we look at Moses, here's an intellectual man who thinks he knows what he's doing, but God is dealing with the man. Now, he doesn't know he's fitting into Abraham's prophecy that God told him, that the iniquity of the Amorites is full, and his Moses is going to lead the people out. So, look at his potentials. He was born in the world, a proper child. He was a gifted boy. He was born to be a prophet. He was born to be a deliverer. He had all the equipment in him. And he says... And I believe God knew that. He had that in him, and God saw with his foreknowledge. Now you could say, well, that was Moses. What about me? Listen, God knows exactly what's in you. God knew you'd be sitting in church this morning. God knows exactly what's in. But it has to take an interaction with the light of God to shine on it. So he says, you can be predestinated, you can be saved, you can do all of those things. And he says, if you're just impersonating, it's going to show up somewhere. You know, because Jesus said, all that whose names are in the Lamb's book of life, I have come to die for. So Moses had a gift of faith. He had all of these qualities. He was in the right family of Levi. He knew all of these things. And he had a very odd birth, just like Jesus. He was born to be a deliverer. He was hid of his parents, hid away from the enemy like the Lord. And he came at a time of service. He was a lawgiver. And yet here's Moses and all of these things, but yet it took something more. And here's, here's what Brother Bram says in Why Christ Speak. He was born with these great gifts and quality, but it only had taken something to flash across that to bring that life. And he says, see, the seed is actually in us from the foundation of the world. Now you take the book of Galatians, and it says... Because you were seed, okay, he says, therefore we cry, Abba, Father. Not, not because you cried, you became seed. No, but you always were seed. And something came out of you. Now, it takes something to bring it out. So he says, when the light strikes the seed, it brings life. Now he says, he says, it's just like the woman at the well, but here's Moses to stay on that. He says, here's Moses. All of these things are in him, and God knows what's in him. But now look at this. He says, he was anointed. He was commissioned. Once he met that pillar of fire, and he had a purpose for Moses. And I love how Brother Branham says it. He says, God has a purpose of you being here. If you can only get to that place how much trouble you save God and yourself too. Oh, my. I'm not a preacher, brother. 
I'd be happy sometimes just to be sitting down there. And I did sit there for a long time. And I, I, I like to sit. And I love to listen to the word. And I love to pray. And I love those things. But yet God has a purpose for all of us. So Moses, and he says, he would say, until he's seen something, not what he read about, but something he saw with his eyes, something that spoke to him, and he spoke back to it, oh, how that brought things to life. Any man, any woman with an intellectual conception of the word can never have a full foundation until you meet the light that brings the word to reality. No church in its practice, no matter how intellectual, how fundamental, no church can thrive until the supernatural is made known among that people. I I don't know about you, friends. I'm not praying just to come to church. I'm not praying just to say, bless the service today. You know, let everybody have a good time. Let them go home. I'm praying, Lord, you have your way in our lives. You have your way in situations. Lord, if you have to move me way off, you move me way off. But we want to see Jesus. I do not want to be content with where we're at. I believe there's more. I believe God doesn't want us to sit still on where we're at. But I mean he wants us to push out. And he wanted Moses to push out. Moses, you're in the right family. But Moses, you got to, by faith, step out. And Moses had to step out. I could read so much here, but let me just jump to this. <coughs> and I'm just talking about the situation and the time we live in. Here's how he says. It anoints us when we see where we're living in these last days. To see the signs that are taking place. To see the scriptures that would take place in the last days. To see the political powers, the nature of the people, the demoralization of the world. I'm on a plane. I'm sitting next to somebody watching a video. I I couldn't take it. It was so vulgar. And this is what the world is feeding on. And I say, Lord, I would be in that place if you hadn't pulled me out. And when he pulled me out, he's changed my desires. Oh, you're just brainwashed, absolutely. You know what? Brainwashed, absolutely. And there's nothing better to wash your brain with than the word of God. Wash it, Lord. Cleanse me from anything. I, I am happy. You know, somebody said, well, what if all you believe, what if all you believe, and at the end it is in that way, says, I'm happy for what I could live in this life. I'm happy I could have a wife and children, and I'm happy I could have a home life. I'm happy I've got brothers and sisters. I'm happier than I was way in, when I was in the depths of sin. And so even if I come to the end, I've already gained a good life. But now let's flip the script. What if the life that you're living, at the end you come and you find out that everything I believed is true. Where are you? I've got eternal life. What do you have? I think we ought to flip that script on the devil once in a while. The devil tells you you're no good. The devil tells you that this is, you're just a league, you're this and this. Listen, I think we ought to tell the devil and say, listen devil, it's just a few more days 
and you're going to be going, you're going to be going to a bottomless pit, and I'm going to watch at a ringside. I'm going to see you go down. I'm going to see every sin that you've ever done. I know in a thousand years I'll be here, and you'll be not, you'll not be anywhere else. This gospel is real. What I believe is real. It's not a, just an anointing for a Sunday service. It's an anointing I take with me when I go on a plane. It's an anointing when I go on a job. It's anointing when I wake up in the morning. Because I am a son of God. The Bible says, the earth is groaning for the manifestation of the sons of God. Everything that's happening is a desire to see us come back to where we fell from. Well, I, I got to stay true to my word. And let, let me just finish this. It anoints us. When we see the nature of the people, the demoralization of the world, how they would do in the last days, how the nations are doing. Now listen to how he, he says this. It anoints our faith. It moves us out into great cycles. It separates us from the things of the world. No matter how little we are, how much of a minority, how much we're laughed at, that doesn't make a difference. We, there is something within us. We are predestinated to see this hour. There is nothing that is going to stop us from seeing it. Amen. God said it. It's already here. How we thank God for it, it brings out your faith when you see these things happening. There was a young boy. Let's just have the musicians come. There was a young boy who was coming to church with his mother. His mother would always tell him, now you don't do this and don't do that and make sure you behave and always on him and always on him. And, and that's, that's a mother. A mother will want to do what's right for a child. But One day he went to see his uncle who was a Christian. This is in a church in South Africa. And he went to meet his uncle who was a Christian in a different place and he spent a few hours with his uncle. And his uncle just showed him, had a good time playing baseball or catch or something. And, and then also showed him the things of God. And, showed, and you know that little boy came back from there and he says, it was his Uncle Danny or whatever it was. He says, Mommy, I want what Uncle Danny's got. See, there's a right example, friends. It's not don't do this, don't do that all. Live a life. It, we're, we're, we're living in manifesting times. We're living in a time when, when we want to shine the light of Jesus Christ. It's not just in doctrine, but there's a love of God amongst us. We've got his potentials. When somebody does you wrong and you just say, no, I, I'm not going to go that way. I, I'm going to still love them. I'm going to pray for them. When, 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 when you have a potential to do something, no, I'm going to stay true to God. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm at school. Nobody's going to notice if I participate in this little thing. And, and you make a decision. There's nobody there giving, no cheering. You know, you're on the job and, some, and you have to take a stand. There's nobody cheering. But God sees. God knows. God will reward you. When I see the things of the world, I say, I know one thing, I'm not that. I don't want to be that. I want to be what he's made me to be. I want to be everything that he has for me. Listen, I'll have you stand together. I, I, I didn't really get it out the way I wanted, but things are happening in two realms. There's a world around us, but you've got to see something is happening in me. 
And, and you know, it, it takes sometimes that to make you realize, no, I, I'm not that. I'm this. And if you want to be this, I, I just say, yield yourself, give yourself to it. Only to be what He wants me to be. <coughs> Only what He wants me to be. yourself this question. Lord, are you doing everything you want with my life? Am I living my life for myself? I'm actually living it for you. You know, it's not the part that we live for ourselves that, 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 that we're going to be able to give a record for it that day. Well, I, I did this and for, I didn't. No, but it's the part that you do for him. That's what's going to be part of your reward. I, I want to have I want to live for Him before I ever get to there and every knee shall bow. But while I'm here, let your word be born in the manger of my heart. Let your word be born. 